Welcome to the Creative Brew, helping you keep your creative juices brewing. We're giving out chunks of insight, motivation, and practicality for your creative journey. If you're a creator, athlete, or entrepreneur, luck can only get you so far. Having the right skill sets are critical in your success. All Skill No Luck makes handcrafted, custom-designed flannel wear. Made in the United States and based here right in Oceanside, California. They pride themselves on quality, creativity, and attitude. The perfect brand for the Creative Brew. Use promo code CREATIVEBREW10 and get 10% off and free shipping within the United States. You can check them out at allskillnoluck.com. My next partner is Elevate Coffee Trading, and if you appreciate specialty coffee, enjoy outdoor adventure, and love helping elevate the lives of children around the world, then you're going to love Elevate Coffee Trading. Their mission is to extract hope through love, coffee, and adventures. There's free shipping in the United States, and every bag of coffee helps sponsor health and education for children in coffee-producing countries and in areas of need in the United States. You can use promo code ELEVATE21 on your next order, and you can follow their journey on social media at Elevate Coffee Trading. Or you can visit online at elevatecoffeetrading.com and let's start extracting hope together. And this show is brought to you by Tennessee Grappling Apparel based out of the Knoxville area. Lifestyle wear for the modern wrestler or grappler. Use the promo code CB10 on your next purchase at tennesseegrapplingapparel.com. To a new episode of the creative brew giving you insights on your creative journey today we have a special guest today uh for mortal Kombat fans uh the one the only john turk <laughs> um the man behind sub-zero as well as other characters and like i said i'll let him uh sort of share his journey and um it's so cool like i said we we got to meet uh between uh, like I said, we we met at Throwback Games, so right, um, right. definitely had a uh, sort of a common connection right there. And I said met, and um, we're here now. So I'll let John sort of share his story, and um, it'll be a mix of different things. So um, you know, we'll we'll talk about what he's doing, uh, what he's got going on, um, and a little bit of Mortal Kombat, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of martial arts, fitness, all that stuff, sort of wrapped up into this episode. So. Uh, sure, without sure. further ado, this is uh, John Turk. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah, so um, things are good. Life's good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting older, and uh, it's been an interesting journey. The entire uh, Mortal Kombat experience and what led up to it. But it started back when, gosh, I was probably uh, I started in wrestling actually when I was uh, in grade school. My neighbors were really, really into wrestling. One of their brothers was uh an olympic uh wrestler and it just kind of got the whole neighborhood into wrestling so and i just remember when i first started they were obviously been wrestling a lot longer than i had i kept getting my butt kicked and and it just was a really uh eye-opening experience that hey man i really got to get better at this so i stayed with it i kept wrestling and as i got older i got into um up into i'd say probably uh eighth grade i didn't go really long in it but I wrestled from when I was probably nine years old to like 13, but I just, I kept getting skin infections. And I, I think you and I had talked about this and I got impetigo, I got a uh, staph infection. Um, I got uh, a ringworm and I just kept getting all these things. And as a young kid, 
you know, I go into school and I have these big patches around my face. You start to get teased. And my parents after a while were like, you know, this wrestling just isn't working out for you because you're getting all these skin infections. And then at one point we would have this game where we would take erasers and we would rub it on our arm and whoever could withstand the pain the longest would win. And I remember just rubbing my skin completely off my arm and then, you know, actually lost to, to the one guy just kept going and he, he rubbed his skin off even more. But I remember I got an infection from that and my, my parents were just like, you're not going to be wrestling anymore. There's just too many things going on here. But I love combat sports and I was already in Pop Warner football and uh, and so I wanted to get into something else. And that's what kind of led me to martial arts, uh, Taekwondo. So I, I really got into that and it just kind of took over my life and I just kept competing in tournaments. I got up to um, black belt and I just, uh, it was a real, a real great journey. It taught me a lot of discipline in the beginning. It was, you know, I had a combination. I knew how to wrestle already. And now I had martial arts and I started to hang around with some of the wrong guys who were kind of troublemakers. And I got into a lot of fights and after a while I said, you know, this is, this isn't the way to go. This is kind of wrong. And, um, and I just kept with the competitive spirit of it. And, uh, as time went on, I just, uh, I, I decided at one point my, I had hurt my leg really bad in a tournament. I had a guy sweep me from the front and, uh, and I was probably about, I'd say 18 years old at this point. So I started when I was like 13, right after I quit wrestling. So for about five years solid, I was, um, you know, competing and, and doing all this and just blew my leg out really bad. And then I, 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 didn't get a surgery right away because the doctor told me I'm going to need all this uh, rehab. And I'd be in a wheelchair for four months because back when I heard it, uh, which was like 1982, they didn't have the surgeries they have now for like a scope and things like that. They would literally slice your whole leg wide open and, you know, and, and, you know, give you these uh, repairs that way. But it just, it was something that I didn't want to do. And I said, Hey, can I get through this without having a surgery? And they said, yeah, but you're going to have an extremely unstable knee. So uh, I also had torn cartilage. It would always hurt. And I tried to go back to martial arts and my leg would just constantly give out on me. I would just go to throw a kick and I could just feel it shift and come apart. Hmm. So I knew I needed to have something done. So and I said, I'm going to wait for surgery to, to, you know, to catch up. So I just, again, I wanted to compete in something. So I, I picked up uh, weightlifting, bodybuilding. And so I, uh, I, I started doing that and I ended up winning uh, collegiate Mr. Illinois. I took uh, third in uh, Mr. Illinois. I mean, third in uh, collegiate Mr. America. And then I took second runner up in Mr. Illinois. And then I won the Mr. Midwest of police and fire. So bodybuilding was doing really well for me. So um the thing is with bodybuilding and there's so many drugs in it. And I, um, I didn't want to follow that, that route that a lot of guys were doing. And in order to compete at a higher level, I would have to take more and more and more of it. And I was really into my body and my health and my fitness. And I just didn't want to do that. So I continued on with my fitness journey and I just stuck with weightlifting and, and working out with martial arts still, you know, uh, I ended up having my knee knee fixed and uh, I was able to, you know, continue with that and, and, and carry on. And then and I became a policeman in 1990. And uh, about five years in, I, I, I just everybody kept telling me, hey, man, you should get into, um, you know, uh, acting or you should do modeling. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, you know, but I just kept hearing it over and over and over. So 
I had said, you know what, what the heck, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. So I got an agent in Chicago and they sent me on this audition for Mortal Kombat because that's where uh, Midway Games is or they're, they're based in Chicago. So <clears throat> I went into the studio and I already had the look they wanted because the, the creator of it was name was John Tobias and the other guy was Ed Boone. John Tobias was the, the graphics designer of it and Ed Boone was the mind behind it. And they showed me the image of the character that they wanted. And I, I looking at the, the illustration, I was pretty spot on. But what I think really got me the, the job was my martial arts background. So when they asked me to do all these kicks and all these different styles of uh, martial arts, I was able to do them. So they were real happy about that. And what happened was, is I came in at Mortal Kombat 3 and Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 was done by another guy who they ended up having a big falling out with. And uh, I don't want to mention any names, but um, I ended up taking over all the roles he did. And then when they found out I could do all these other moves and I could do flips and kicks and everything, they started throwing different costumes at me. And they said, hey, try this on, try this on. So I ended up doing um, all the ninjas in, in Mortal Kombat 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat. And then Sub-Zero had done so well that they ended up having a game called uh, uh, Mortal Kombat Mythologies. And it didn't do real well because it was really hard. And it was just all these secret moves and nobody could get past certain levels. So that one didn't do real well, but then they made more more games after that, and then they didn't ended up dropping all the um, what are called digitized characters. So like if if you were to go into the studio Quantal, they would image you like say if it was a wrestling game, they would videotape you wrestling, and then they would digitize your image into the game. But now they do everything CGI, which is computer generated image. So they got rid of all the actors. But what's happened over the years is people still like the old game and they like seeing actors and they like seeing people in the role and the CGI is cool because they can do a lot of things but when you can actually meet the person in the game it makes it that much more more enjoyable you know like hey man that's the guy in the game so I think that's why it's survived all these years especially with a lot of us that were actors in the game and now you're, you have your 30-year anniversary this year so a lot of places are asking us to come out and do meet and greets with fans and things like that so uh, I just found that over the years, Mortal Kombat has just been, uh, has been great for me. You know, I've, I've met so many people doing it and uh, everyone, every one of the fans in, in Mortal Kombat is, has been very gracious, very generous. I mean, you saw a lot of them that were coming up to the table. They're just really laid back people, a lot yeah. of them. But one of the things I try to do is I try to inject fitness in some way because I just noticed the, the youth in our time especially uh, uh, a lot of the, the, the younger ones, they're, they're so unfit and it's because they're stuck behind a computer all day or they're on their phones all day. And they're, they're, I'm just seeing more health problems with the younger generation that were usually things that would happen to older people, like mm -hmm. a lot of diabetes in young kids, a lot of kids with metabolic disorders. And I just try to reach out to them and say, hey man, you know, I just, I feel bad for them in a way because so many of them are, are having these, these ailments and these illnesses. And I noticed as I'm signing autographs at some of the conventions, some of them would pull me aside and say, Hey, I, you know, I got this and uh, I know you're really into health and you talk about working out a lot. What can I do? And a lot of them have these, these disorders. And it's just really disheartening to see so many kids at a young age. And it's, it's I honestly believe it's because of the sedentary lifestyle. So I really try to promote, a healthy lifestyle. I try to promote health and fitness because 
I really feel like with working out, and I'm sure you're the same way. We we both talked about it. Like my diet's probably spot on 80% of the time and 20% of the time I eat junk. And I think when you exercise, you can get away with that and still have a really good um, uh, physique, a really good athletic ability instead of being you know 100% spot on. But I think when you don't do that, you, you, it limits you and how you, you can eat. And if you're already a bad eater and then you combine that with not exercising, it really is a recipe for disaster for health as you age. So I'm just trying to get a, a, everyone to be more, more aware of being health conscious and thinking about their future. Because I see so many people that come to me as a trainer as well now, because that's what I I, I do as I, I kind of converted when I left the police department, I, um, I converted uh, when I was on a police department, I was uh, one of the heads of the fitness uh, instruction. So when policemen needed to pass there, uh, we had these quarterly fitness tests you had to do. And a lot of them could even bench press their own body weight, or they couldn't do sit-ups to a certain amount. And I would have to train them to get them to be strong enough to do it. I would help administer tests to the new recruits and, and even, our, you know, quarterly fitness test. So I, I got into fitness through the police department and my degree was actually in, in, um, in exercise physiology and nutrition when I, when I went to Illinois State. So that's kind of how my fitness journey started is I just started at a young age. My neighborhood was always competitive. Everybody was really into sports and no one was into drugs. In fact, like when I just think back to my childhood, if anybody took drugs, it was really looked down on it. So I really am lucky that, you know, I, I grew up with a mom and dad. I grew up in a neighborhood that was very, you know, proactive for sports and fitness and health. And it, from a young age, I was taught to really take care of my body and, and, and be, be smart about that. So as I've gotten older, I'm 60 years old now. And I just feel like I feel, you know, I feel healthy and I just want people to understand that you can you can live such a better life, especially into your older years, by just being, you don't have to be a fitness fanatic like me or like you. You can just be someone who really focuses on just a good overall plan uh, and, and follow it. Be consistent, stick to it, eat right, and exercise you know, moderately, and you can live a long, healthy life. And I just I just see so many people now that are coming to me in their retirement years now. Now, now you have the young kids getting sick and now you have the people in their retirement years and they're falling apart and they've worked super hard their whole life, but they've neglected their body. And here they are with all this money and they're in and out of the hospital. And the only reason they're coming to me is because the doctor said, hey man, you gotta, you gotta exercise. And it's just, it's sad to see because now that youth is experiencing it, I'm wondering, if these people are so messed up in their elder, older age, now the youth is starting out already messed up. What are they going to be like in 20 or 30 years? So my message is really to get out there is, is more of about health and fitness and just keeping people focused on, on themselves. And so many of us, you know, we let life take over and we let our jobs take over, our families take over, which are important. But in the long run, the most important thing is, is ourselves. And it, I don't mean that to sound narcissistic or self-centered. I mean it in that, what good can you do if you're always sick and nursing injuries or nursing your health to help family out or to help friends out and just be a better person, you know? So I think when you feel healthy, you're going to be healthy as far as your, your attitude, you're going to be healthy in your relationships. But I know that when I've been in pain or when I've been sick, 
you know, I'm, I'm not someone who you want to be around, you know, and I think that goes with most people, right? When we're sick and we're not feeling well, we're just not fun to be around. I know I'm a big baby when I'm sick. I'm like, oh, hon, take care of me. I don't feel good. Oh. She's like, man, you're a big baby. But, <laughs> but, you know, I just think my main message is with all of this is I try to promote, you know, health and fitness and get people to be more conscious. So, yeah, but, you know, it's been a great journey and I love Mortal Kombat and, you know, I'm trying to get in the movie right now. I, as I think I was mentioning to you, I did a, I, I do a little acting also on the side. I just did a film called Wolfhound that was out this summer. I played a, uh, a Nazi colonel in that. I was one of the main bad guys. So acting has been slowly getting uh, more productive for me, but you know, I'm a, I'm married. I'm a Christian and uh, I, I limit myself to the roles I'll do. Like I won't do any, roles that involve sex scenes or makeout scenes just out of respect for my wife and uh uh so i think that's limited me in a lot of stuff that i can do so mostly i just play a lot of bad guys or you know stuff like that which you know it is what it is right you gotta you gotta do what you're called for to a certain extent <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true hey well you yeah. know you know audiences tend to tend to go for the bad guys now um it's, it's not yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not so black and white like it used to be like you had right. to get, you had a bad i think a lot of a lot of them going for for bad guys now the rooting for yeah. the bad guys um, yeah they even made like dark knight i was i was in a dark knight as a couple scenes in there they even when you think about it you know the original Love the original Batman show with um, uh, back in the you know sixties and seventies, and it was he was just a straight up him and Robin were the good guys. And when you look at the Dark Knight, he was really kind of an almost a, an, an antihero. You know, he was he was a, a very dark figure, a dark character, so different from the original Batman. But I mean that that was cool. You know, it was fun watching it. I mean, he had a good side, but he also had a real bad side, an evil side. So uh, I think a lot of that is 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 uh, way the way that they're kind of turning a lot of the superheroes now they're making them kind of a little have a little dark side more more humanistic instead of just straightforward i'm a good guy you know so it adds more interest and more creativity to the character development so you can't oh, yeah. just be one 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 dimensional when you have to create a role or you know come up with a, a character for you know uh, someone that's been around for a long time like you know batman or superman or you know, my one of my favorites was the Green Hornet. You remember the Green Hornet with Bruce <laughs> yeah. Lee? Yeah, I used to love that show, man. It was great. But yeah, so that's pretty much, you know, the way it's been. And, uh, you know, my, my website, I, I sell workouts on right now. It's called The Fearless Fitness. And like a lot of it is basic workouts. And then you can get up to advanced workouts. But um, I just try to, you know, and I have little new nutrition programs on there too, that you can just buy their basic programs. And I try to make it like cost effective for people. Cause a lot of people can't afford it and they don't have equipment or whatever. So that's kind of what I, what I did with those is they're just PDFs that you buy and you, you get emailed and they have videos in them where I'm demonstrating the movement and it gets, everything's real, real laid out in a real good PDF format. So that's cool. Yeah. So, so do you find, you know, what? And, and, you know, I've noticed, you know, just all the things that you've, you've been talking about uh, between, you know, movies and fitness and, um, and even, even your, 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 your values and everything um, as, as far as what your beliefs are, um, you know, do you ever feel, I mean, even being in, you know, movies, um, do, do you feel like, okay, that is, you know, you're you're taking certain roles because um, because it's sort of like in direct uh, confliction with your uh, it's conflicting with your values. I mean, do you you ever feel like 
um, I mean, where did that belief sort of come from? I mean, is that something that you've always sort of had ingrained um, as far as, you know, this is my principles and um, this is what I, you know, what I believe in and I'm going to stand by it um, and pay the price for it? Or uh, is that something that sort of developed over time? I didn't know, like, even when you being a cop, I didn't know if you had that sort of black and white or I know in Chicago, it can be a little gray, but um, I I just didn't know (laughs) what, what you thought about that. Yeah, well, you know, to to answer your question right off the bat, as far as um, there's there's history to that, but I wasn't always that way. I um, I grew up. Uh, I was never never really a bad kid, but what I did is I always pushed it to the edge. You know what I mean? Where I would do it, and I would be bad enough to where I wouldn't get in bad, you know, a lot of trouble but just enough where people go, what are you doing? You know? And then I would back it off. I had a really strict father. So I had an interesting upbringing. I had a Muslim father from the middle East and I had a, a Christian mother from, you know, uh, the United States. And my dad came over on a, a Fulbright scholarship and he ended up going to Oklahoma state university. Uh, he got a, a degree in engineering. And then he met my mother when he, he became one of the heads of the Wisconsin highway department. So my father was always really strict. His dad was, um, uh, uh, general in the Turkish military. So uh, he was always, he was raised in a third world country, you know, back in the twenties by a militaristic father. And if you don't know if you're familiar with any Turkish history, but it can be brutal at times with, you know, some of the, some of the wars that they would get into and things like that. And that's the mentality my dad had, you know, and I, I can remember growing up, I just knew that I couldn't push the envelope because my mom would just have to say, wait till your dad gets home. And man, I'll tell you, I could feel my butt tingle because it would be, I would be getting, <laughs> I'd be getting whipped, you know, but you know, it, it kept me in line. And and I think there were times where I could have went off the limb and it did, did some really stupid stuff. But in the back of my mind, I always pictured my father and it wasn't his words of wisdom. It was the fear of what he would do physically. You know, I mean, he would never like punch me and beat me up, but man, I'll tell you, he would, he would uh, give me the whipping pretty good. And and, and I always was in the back of my mind, but I never was like a God guy. I always looked at, I always looked at God because my father was Muslim and my mother was Christian. I, I looked at, there's no such thing as God. Here's two people I respect highly. They're both intelligent and they can't agree on it, you know, but I became um, um, someone who just kind of lived, lived his life with reckless abandon. I had uh, I loved sports. And when I played football, I, I won 110%. I, everything was my head first, you know, and, and just smash as hard as I could when I, when I was in martial arts and fights, I would, you know, I would go all out as hard as I could. And I ended up getting injured all the time. You know, my neck got screwed up, my shoulders, my, my elbows, my knees. And I ended up with so many surgeries. I had my shoulder reconstructed, my elbow, I evolved the tendon off the bone. I had nine knee surgeries. I've had I got 40 stitches in my chin, seven in my eye. I've had four concussions. It's just the list goes on. And I just had no respect when it came to sports for my body. And so over time, I just, when I look at the way I grew up, I, I just thought, you know, I felt like I was my own God and my destiny was controlled by me, which it is obviously to a certain extent, but I really didn't feel like there's the man in the sky watching over us. And, you know, uh, we got to be good people. And, you know, I thought I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't do this. And, uh, I don't steal. I don't, 
do anything crazy or hurt people. So I never really worry about, am I going to go to hell or am I going to, any of that going to happen? But um, as time went on, I met my wife and, uh, you know, she would talk about God and Jesus and, and, and I'm like, whatever, hon, you know, and, but she wasn't really into it a lot. She was raised a, a Baptist, but, you know, uh, my wife was an exotic dancer when I met her and, and I was the same thing through college. I helped pay for my college that way. I mean, I'm really getting kind of deep here, but hey, so yeah. <laughs> I, you know, when I first met her, I, you know, I was like, Hey, that's cool. I did it. I, I know what it's about. And, uh, you know, so, so you're getting a little history. I wasn't always Mr. Clean and green, but you know, uh, I, I just, you know, we fell in love and, 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 and life was great and we have had a great relationship. And then in 2009, I had a friend die and it really kind of freaked me out. He was, he was my age and he dropped out of a heart attack at uh, 43 years old and he had two brand new babies and it just was really uh, disheartening to me and, 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 and my wife as well at the time, because we used to go out with him and his wife and, you know, he was, uh, did a lot of the same things I did. He was a trainer with me at the gym I worked at. And so it really kind of hit home, but I had a really crazy experience where when I left my wife, uh, my wife had a, a demonic experience and I never would have believed in this stuff until I saw it. And then I also experienced, I saw an entity and it really freaked me out. And being a policeman, you know, when this, you know, uh, went on. I, I always thought with a logical mind. I was a detective. I, I got promoted to detective as the year, you know, years went on. So I never believed in it. I always thought there was a rational explanation. So when I saw this entity, um, I just rationalized it out of my head. Then when I saw what my wife is going through, I rationalized that out of my head too, just because I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe that the spiritual world existed. But as time went on, she became a Christian and she said, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. And if, if you want to follow Jesus or you don't, you know, I understand if you want to leave. And I just, you know, right when she said that, I'm like, you know what? I didn't buy into this marriage to, you know, to be, you know, Jesus freak. You know, I don't want anything to do with that. And so we were almost going to, you know, end our relationship at that point. And at that at one day, I just I just woke up and I said, you know, I said, you want to believe in Jesus. And, and I really, you know, don't know what to say about that, but I'll just tell you this. Um, I'm going to stay, but I'm going to prove your Jesus wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to prove to you that he doesn't exist. He's a fairy book tale. And, uh, and then that's it. That's it. So I'm one of those kind of people. And when I was a policeman, you can ask anybody when I had tackled something, I, I went 120%. I was 120% to prove to her that Jesus didn't exist. And after reading the Bible and doing tons and tons of research, because I was a science guy, my degree was in science and make a long story short, I, I ended up believing in a lot of the things I thought about um, were, you know, one of the questions I had is why do good things happen to bad, you know, I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? How is there a God? But I always wondered, you know, where, where is Hitler right now? Where is Mussolini? Where are all these people that were horrible human beings? there has to be some creator there that these people are going to have to report to, because if those people, nothing happens to them, where does the morality come from? You know, where does it mean for Quantel to be a good man? Where does it mean for John to be a good man? It really means nothing then it's all irrelevant. It's relative. So when I looked at, I looked at human behavior and I looked at sin and all that stuff, 
it just made sense to me that there's something innate inside all of us that says this is right and this is wrong. And we can say it's our society and it's, it's to a certain extent it is, but what makes me right and you wrong if you're a child molester? Because why is my right right and yours right wrong? Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because if there is no God, everything you do and everything I do is relative. It doesn't mean anything. So what am I to say that my truth is truth and yours isn't? So there has to be a moral compass that is someone or something that started it. And God, when you read the Bible, is the moral compass. He talks about sin all through it. And he, Jesus even talks when I got into reading why, you know, I, I read Islam. You know, I looked into the Quran because my dad was Muslim. And then I looked into Judaism. I looked into Buddhism. And it just, to me, when I looked at, you know, all the religions, and I don't mean to be bashing it. I mean, there's good things about every one of those religions. But the one thing I found was Christianity and Judaism, the, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, they're internally consistent. And they, they talk about prophecy through the whole thing, what's going to happen in the future. And so much has come true and has been predicted. And there's been miracles throughout the Bible. And when I looked at the geography and I looked at... um a lot of the scientists now, they turn to the Bible for geographical truth. And they find things based on what the Bible is saying. The Bible will say, this is here. And then they go and look and they find it. And when you look at like things like the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found, you know, uh, back, I think it was the 1920s, these kids came across it. The, the Bible we have today is accurate to these ancient scripts they found that were thousands of years old. So you know, the book is consistent that we got handed down to us. And Quantel, I mean, this, this discussion could go on for hours. But what I did is I investigated everything myself through like scientific, um, psychological, and also um, moralistic. Mm -hmm. And I just came to believe that, you know, for me, it was Jesus was the answer. He was, the, you know, the way, the truth, and the light. And I just think that a lot of people don't like that. Because when I look at today's society, people get offended for everything and anything. And you say a thing, something, and it, someone gets offended. If you don't do something, somebody gets offended. It's the woke culture now. Everyone's offended for everything. And I think that religion especially offends people because um, they don't like being told what to do. And that's what God and the religions do. But more specifically, Christianity is exclusive, so it's very offensive to people. So a lot of people stay away from it because of, I, honestly, it's, I think it's just a woke mentality of everything's going to offend me. And especially if you tell me that you're exclusive and I'm not going to be let in or somebody else is going to be let in, it's the whole mentality of, I don't like that. That offends me. And, and God is offensive because God says, you can do this, you can't do that. And you have the Ten Commandments and you have so many other things. And Jesus was all about love. So to make a long story short, um, I, I wasn't always a moralistic guy, you know. I, I mean, listen, I was a male dancer. You know what goes along with that. I mean, I was, I was a player. I was a big time player. So for me, you know, not to have any sex scenes in movies and for me, not to want to uh, make out with another woman. Uh, it, 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 number one, it would hurt my wife. She told me I, would, I wouldn't want to see you do that. But number two, I just wouldn't feel right doing it, you know, because it's a physical thing. And as much as people want to say, oh, you're just acting, 
look at what happened with Brad Pitt and uh, Jennifer Aniston. Look what happened with Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, the list goes on of all these celebrities that ended up with their co-stars. So I totally understand where she's coming from. And, and so I made a, I drew a line in the sand and I said, I'm not going to do these types of roles. And so that's where that kind of came from. It obviously went off on a tangent, but I might, my, my Christian um, belief system now is what drives a lot of what I do. I think, um, I think in the, in the world today, uh, people got to be, you know, we got to be giving out more love than we giving out hate. Now it's just kind of crazy when you think about it. It's like we're so divided, and I just I hate seeing it. And I try not to talk about politics. I used to, and I I don't like to because I just ended up getting arguments with people, and I don't want that to happen. You know, I want people to come together, and I just think that especially now politics is just so dividing, and religion is dividing, and and you know. I'm not going to walk around and tell people and hit them in the head with the Bible, but I, I want people to know this is what I believe. And if you want to understand or know why I believe that, I'll tell you. But I'm not going to go up to people and go, you're going to hell and you're going to do this. I think that's up for, you know, I'll plant a seed and I think it's up to God to water it and give people the chance to open their own hearts uh, up to the gospel and what God is all about. But people have to be ready for that. So I can't walk up to someone and just say, hey, man, do you know Jesus? A lot of people do that. That's just not me. And I don't feel right doing that. Because when I remember when I wasn't saved, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like that people came up to me and said, hey, man, do you know Jesus? I was I was aggravated. And I think a lot of that was because, uh, number one, I wasn't ready to hear the gospel. And number two, a lot of these people are hypocrites. And I didn't like it. A lot of Christians, when I see them, they're complete hypocrites. And I think it gives God a bad name. I think it gives um, a lot of Christians a bad name, and I just think it's wrong. So the last thing I'm going to do, from what like, even the Bible says, you know, don't point out the the speck in someone else's eye when you got a log in your own eye, right? And, and that's the way I see it. I don't want to point out other people's faults or what's going to happen with them when I'm just as full of sin still to this day, you know. I, I do things that are sinful and that's what repentance is. And that's what asking God for forgiveness is because, you know, I think that we're all sinners and we're all, we're all in this life together. And it's really, really ultra important for all of us to just try and get along. And there's days where I have, you know, fits of anger and I just try to get it under control. And my wife is so good, you know, in my corner of pulling me back in and, you know, Hey, hon, you can't be like that. You know, and I have my things that I help her with, but I think that with her, she's really helped me a lot with my, just my demeanor, my ability to communicate with people, my, my ability to be under more understanding when somebody does something and I get angry or I get upset. She's like, Hey, maybe they were thinking this, you know, I'm like, you know what? You're right. That could be, you know, because let's face it, when we're angry and we're upset and we hold animosity towards others, forgiveness really isn't about the other person forgiving us it's about us forgiving them so we don't hold on to the anger because when you hold on to anger and hate it can become very destructive to your own self and i think that's what you know like uh i'm sure you've experienced racism and if you held that anger towards someone forever that's going to hurt you more than anybody it's not going to hurt that other idiot it's going to hurt you so it's like you can't let you walk around and, and and hold that animosity towards people just like I can't hold it towards somebody who's done something wrong to me. And I, I, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned from all of this is I can't hold on to anger. I got to get rid of it. Otherwise, I'm going to be miserable. My body's going to fall apart, stress, cortisol, you know, 
whole thing works. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how my whole journey started, you know, with the whole, uh, I don't want to say morality because I'm not this big moral guy, you know, I mean, but I have a certain compass about me that, you know, knows right and knows wrong and really tries to live by what I believe. And like anyone else, man, I slip up. And if somebody tells me I slip up, I'm like, Hey man, you're absolutely right. Biggest thing in life is owning up to something when you did, when you're wrong. And I, my wife's been great with that too, you know, and, and you know what? Also apologizing, even when you're right, you know, I mean, think about it. Like I think with my marriage and, you know, you, 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 you talk about your wife. I think that one of the biggest things with, with men and women is, is we tend to, when we're married is we hold on to I'm right. No, you're right. No, I'm right. And when you can just let go of that and say, you know what, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, even though you're right. And you apologize. The other person is so much more accepting. How many times have we, you know, like when you look at a lot of athletes and they've screwed up and they come on camera and they sincerely apologize, everyone forgives them, unless you're Michael Vick and you torture a dog, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, people look at that kind of stuff and that some of the things you look at and you say, you know, this is some people can't forgive. But I look at like, you know, pretty much if anyone comes forward and sincerely apologizes and asks for forgiveness, any good person or any person with the right mind is going to sit back and go, you know, you're right. I no, no worries, man. Everything's good. And I think that's the most important thing. If we all learned a little, little forgiveness and a little bit of being apologetic, I just think there would be a lot more uh, peace in the world, you know? And I think politics is just not, I don't think any of our politicians are good. I think all over the world, they're just out for themselves and they're, bringing division between everybody. And I just, uh, I just hate seeing it. I don't even watch it anymore on TV. I try to focus on, you know, sports and fitness. And I watch a lot of wrestling. I love wrestling, like we were talking about. And um, it's just uh, the competitiveness is it all. And I like good sportsmanship. You know, one of the things I love is like, I like the guy like um, some of these guys in, uh, uh, I love, uh, Kale Sanderson is like one of my favorite athletes and I look at what he's accomplished and he's always such a stand-up guy you know mm -hmm. and and when you go into football I love Larry Fitzgerald and um uh, uh the old quarterback Wilson from the I forget his first Russell Wilson you know you look at these guys that are just stand-up guys and they got all the reason in the world to be you know conceited or you know, arrogant, and they're like the nicest guys in the world. And it, to me, that says so much. I love George St. Pierre. He's another guy. He's just a really nice guy. So I love when athletes compete and they just, you know, bang it out. And then afterwards, they, you know, give each other a hug and a high five and they move on. I, I'm just not one to do all the trash talking. I never was. And I'm just not a big follower of that. Like if somebody's a trash talker, they might be great at what they do, but I just, I like sportsmanship. And I just think that that's, it's, it's getting lost today in sports. It's, it's becoming more about me and how can I generate more, you know, likes or, and I look at like Conor McGregor, you guys, he's, he's a great fighter, but I just don't like the way he goes about things, you know? And I just, I'm just, just not me, I guess. So, but yeah, so that that's really about how we got off onto that one. I don't know. I just yeah, went that. all kinds of directions. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was a yeah. That it felt like you had a lot to say on that one. Felt like you had yeah. a lot on your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, right now, I mean, you, you, I know you're, and that's a very interesting, and, I, and that's honestly, that is that is really part part of the journey. You know, everybody's. And I think that's what makes it unique that everybody, even everybody that I bring onto this show, everybody's different. 
everybody that we encounter is, is different. They have their own journey and where they got to uh, thus far uh, and through the good and the bad. Um, you know, all the all the things that you've had experience has led you to this point. Um, mm -hmm. And there is, like I said, honestly, there's nothing good or bad about it. It's just your experience and how it formed, you know, your beliefs right. and how it shaped right. you. Uh, and right. I think that's for a lot of people. I think once we can realize that and and feel like we're not, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. It, no, mm -hmm. it's just, it's all relative. It's your experience. Right. And the, the only thing I can do is figure out ways to um, understand where you're coming from and just be, be compassionate with it. I mean, right. Right. I don't have that. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm you know, and I'm, I'm now, even now I'm, I'm still searching and and getting insight from from other people and, and getting their stories and right right and uh so all all these things can sort of form um you know the the beliefs or, or maybe the experiences and things that um you know that I can sort of deep dive into and and maybe see things from a different perspective I think that's that's I think that's really what's what makes you know people like you or just people that just people in general uh, it can be enriching uh, once we understand their story. Um, and um, like I said, we don't, and, you know, we don't have to, you know, agree with everybody's, you know, beliefs or, or right. religion. We don't have to right. uh, But I do want to understand where you're coming from and, mm -hmm. and be respectful, be compassionate of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely something we could probably talk about for us. <laughs> For another yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Politics but, uh, and religion, right? That yeah, can no, go on yeah. for hours. That, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right now, I mean, what what things uh what what things are uh inspiring you right now? Um, you know, it could be something simple or something um, you know, maybe complex, maybe something you you've encountered recently. Uh, mm -hmm. anything that that's you know, when you wake up in the morning and you you sort of you know, it gives you inspiration. What, what's been those things? Uh, well, I think mostly um, is one of the things I, I, I always, I want to feel good in my, in my skin, you know, and I, I, for a long time, I had a lot of like, just my joints were so screwed up and I would just, I'd get up and, and then morning when I was in my forties, I'd feel like I was 90 years old, you know, my back, my elbows, my knees, everything hurt. And I thought, wow, I'm only 40 and I feel like this, I know what am I, what's going to be like when I'm like 80 or 90 years old, I'm going to be like, you know, a big stiff board walking around. And I just started to really wanted to take, take control of what was going on inside of me. And I ended up like getting all these tests done, blood work done to try and figure it all out. Um, and I finally did at, at, you know, 60 years old, I feel far better than I did when I was 40. Mm -hmm. And each morning I get up, I just have, uh, this motivation to just try to keep getting better and better. And uh, the other thing too, is I want to, as, as I get older, I, I tend to get a little more time on my hands just because I'm more established. I want to, I want to start creating uh, workout equipment. And I, I have ideas for several pieces of equipment that I want to, um, I want to get to market. And it's, I'm learning that whole process now of patenting and, uh, and getting a, you know, what's called a protocol out there and, and getting things on the market and how to market it. So that's kind of what's, what's driving me there. The other thing is, is um, man, I just, I just look forward to each day and I look, look forward to my, my marriage with my wife. We, we have a great time. We laugh, we joke. So I can't really put my finger on any one thing, but I got to say that 
health is a big driver with me. You know, I've seen so many people, just friends that are dying that didn't take care of themselves. You know, I'm at that age now where, you know, 60 years old, you start to see kids from your, you know, high school that I went to that I watch on Facebook. And next thing you know, there's a, you know, rest in peace thing next to their name. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, it's the image I have of them, even though, and then all of a sudden they show the picture and, you know, they're obviously a lot older, but it just really makes me realize the frailty of life. And it just goes by so fast. I can remember when I was in high school, like it was vividly, you know, in my mind and it just went by so fast. And I remember when I was a kid and I remember I was 15 and my dad turned 50 at the time. And I remember saying, wow, man, dad, you're 50 years old. That's old, you know, <laughs> and I'm 10 years older than that. And it's just, uh, I watched my mom die, my dad die. I've watched so many friends pass, um, other relatives. And it's just made me realize that it's, I got to get up every morning and give thanks. And that's the one thing I do is I get up, you know, I, I give thanks. I ask, uh, you know, count my blessings for what I have. And I just try to be grateful. I just call it gratitude. You know, I get in the car and I drive and I just give my thanks, my gratitude for everything I've been given in life. And at times when things are bad, I just, I try to always think of the positive side, you know, and the positive side is actually someone else's negative. You know, I could be far worse off than so-and-so. And it's unfortunate that, you know, this person's, you know, ill fortune in life is my motivator in life. And I've, I feel really bad for a lot of disabled veterans. I, you know, my heart goes out to them because they fought for our freedom and now they're, a lot of them are messed up. So, you know, I, I, I give, I give thanks, thanks to those guys. But, you know, my, my main thing is, is, is just trying to be positive, getting up every day and, and getting rid of all the negativity and, and stress and just realizing sometimes I get overwhelmed, like with this move is gets overwhelming at times. But I just got to say, all it is, is a move. What am I overwhelmed about? You know, it's going to be done one day and life's going to go on. And if something bad happens, I just deal with it and I deal with it the best I can. And that's kind of how I, I motivate myself and I approach it. And the other thing too, is if I got like, if I have something in the works, like a project and I really want to achieve it, and it could be something in sports or it could be like my, you know, fitness equipment. I want to, I want to create, I, there, there's no there's no room for, I can't do it. You know, I always tell myself, do it just like when I'm in the gym and I'm always like pushing myself more and pushing myself more. It's like, I, it's, it's, you know, there's a guy I, I used to follow. Gosh, what the heck was his name? He was a Navy SEAL. Uh, that's one thing I, my memory goes as I've gotten older, I, I forget it, but he was, he was really good. And he said, that he goes, people would be shocked at how much they could push themselves and they don't even realize it. And I said, you know, I'm going to give my, I'm going to give that a try one day. And normally in the gym, I would do something for 12 or 15 reps. And I really just pushed myself and in 12 or 15 reps was really, really hard to achieve. And I ended up doing 10 more reps than 15, which I thought would be impossible, but I forced it out. And I thought, wow, you know, he's right. There's so much more that we could put up with and we can endure. And so if you could take that mentality and apply it into something that you want to achieve in life, whether it's, you know, building a piece of equipment or uh, accomplishing something else, I mean, all you got to do is, is apply that same principle, like what's going to be your breaking point and say, I don't have a breaking point. I'm just going to keep going and going and going. And obviously you take care of yourself in between there. But I think that that's the, the biggest thing is a lot of us 
think we're failing and we stop sooner than we really can uh, withstand. So if you push yourself more and more and more, you'll find that you're able to achieve more and more and more. And everybody's level of success is, or idea of success is different. Some people it's financial success. Some people it's relational. Some people it's a creativity, like, you know, your artwork, I was looking at it, man, you're a great artist. And to, for you, your, your success is becoming a great artist or being able to, you know, do a certain level of creativity with your art. So I think it's all different levels for everybody on what success is. So if we can get up in the morning and say, what's going to make me successful today and what's going to get in the way of that attitude for me is number one. And if we can't get your attitude right, nothing else is going to really follow, you know. And some people that bad attitudes really driven them, you know, it's like they, 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 they follow that bad attitude because they want to get back at somebody and that's their driving force. But again, that that's a negative aspect of it. So. There's so many ways you can look at it, you know, when you get, when you look at success and, you know, getting up in the morning and what motivates you. And um, I just think that what, whatever, whatever gets us to get out of bed and be the best we can be, follow that. That's the great motivator right there. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, yeah. This, uh, yeah, definitely something that I've been, um, even with my, uh, my wrestling group, I talk to them every Wednesday and, biggest thing I've been talking to them uh, more and I really didn't even realize it uh, until now you know really should have realized that when I was younger was just being in that state of gratitude um, and you know just right. being, really just being thankful for the for the little things uh, you know we can't be thankful if we can't even be gratitude being gratitude for like the little things for like having you know being able to breathe being able to move yeah uh, yeah. you know, I was telling uh, you know telling a lot that we we have a, a mix we've got a mix of like fighters and people that's in the military and so everybody's got different backgrounds but I was like look mm -hmm. if I know there's things that you know being in the military you got to deal with I understand yeah. that but when you're in here if you can't be thankful for just being able to like move around wrestle mm -hmm. you know let go of some stress for yeah. one hour of uh, feeling better after that if you can't let go of that then you know we've got a you know we've got a we got a problem right there yeah um, yeah 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 so, you know, it's just one of those teaching, teaching a lot of those fighters how to just be, uh, be in gratitude and, you know, just being thankful of the little things. That's something I sort of tell myself every, uh, every morning. Uh, I, I always go into a reset mode. Um, yeah. So, and I, I've been doing that. Actually, I've been doing that for the past year. Uh, every morning, I will I'll actually talk to myself <laughs> before I go to sleep. But every morning, I'll, before I, before my feet hits the ground, I tell myself, thank you for a new day. Um, mm -hmm. and it's really just setting the, 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 um, setting the day, day up, right. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I want to focus on is being able to book in and then set it up. And that's something I've been trying to, you know, preach more to my, um, you know, to a lot of my wrestlers and fighters, is, right. you know, being in that state that in the correct state. So, you know, when you go and, and you, you know, you're training or you're just in your daily life, you're in that sort of um in a in a better state in a state of you know gratitude and and i told him you know oddly enough things tend to pop in um you know right. maybe opportunities you've been looking for you know once you say you know what i'm just in gratitude for just being alive today uh, mm -hmm. and being thankful things start to pop in um that resistance is gone and um uh, so really teaching them and that's something that i, I really wish i would have learned 
uh, when I was younger. Uh, now I'm, I'm really learning it. And, uh, you know, um, it's just learning how to be in, be in gratitude. I mean, there's honestly, there's things that, you know, I'm, I'm striving for as things that I'm working on, but right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm just in gratitude of, you know, having a home, being, you know, being healthy, um, yeah. you know, having a sound mind, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know just little things like that. Um, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work with the homeless and, you know, mm-hmm. see a lot of, oh, good. you know, yeah. see a lot of, uh, military vets and, you know, people that's just on the, on the streets and, you know, it's, and talking to them and hearing their stories, yeah. is, you know, really puts things in perspective, uh, really quick, especially when you, when you feel like you're having a bad day, um, yeah. that, that can be really relative compared to someone else that's been right. Right. That's just, you know, trying to find somewhere warm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so creative tips, um, for our audience, you know, what is a creative tip or tips that you can share with our audience? Well, for me, one of the things I've I found is um, I'm a very organized, very um, regimented t- type of guy. And a lot of times in my life, I would put focus and emphasis on the responsibilities in life first. So I'd get up in the morning and I would do my bills and then I would, you know, organize my workout and I would do all these things that were everyday life things that are organizational and just require um, discipline and things like that. And what I found is as I got later in the day and I wanted to be creative and then think of my equipment that I want to design, my creativity was gone. So I found for me, if I start my day out with my creativity and my wife is the same way, she's a writer. If we start our day out with our creativity, when you're fresh, you just got up, your mind isn't tired. You can be far more. I found that I can be far more creative. She has when you start the day that way. And I approach my day with my creativity first. And then later on in the day, I do all my busy, responsible work, which is what kind of killed and stifled my creativity later in the day because I was tired from doing all that other stuff. And then when it came time to be creative, like, man, I just want to rest, you know? Yeah. And so I found that if, if I can do all my create creative stuff in the morning, first thing, and then later on in the day, do just my busy, responsible work, it's just a good balance because I just found that the, the more I, I put into mindless, uh, mundane, everyday affairs, it just zaps my creative energy. And I read somewhere too, that that is the case. So a lot of us, like a lot of people will just go to like, uh, I think people like that write books, a lot of them will go to a cabin in the, in the woods somewhere and they just hang out there. They detach from the world completely and they just let the environment take them over, nature take them over, and they just, all their creativity comes out. And some people do it through, like, I know, um, I was listening to Rogan, one of his podcasts, and he was saying that, you know, a lot of people use psychedelics because it can really dig deeper into their mind. I don't go that far, but I'm just saying, you know, whatever makes you creative, you know, follow it and do it. You know, it's like, for me, it's uh, it's just starting my day out with all my creativity and um and a good cup of coffee helps too. <laughs> oh yeah. Just to keep yeah, just it it just really amps you know, I don't want to say amps me up, but it just seems like it gets my it kickstarts my mind, you know. And uh I think the, if I had to give the two two tips, those are the best one. Good night of sleep is important too. You know, you can't be creative when you're really tired and you're cranky. So I try to get a you know a good night's sleep and I try to, you know, just be creative first thing in the morning. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, well, you know what? I'm going to say quick shout out. Speaking of coffee, quick shout out to uh, Elevate Coffee uh, Trading. I just had, I actually just made, made a cup of coffee uh, for this podcast and um, Elevate Coffee Trading is one of my sponsors. So quick shout out to them based oh, out cool. of Dallas, Texas area. Um, so great coffee and uh, they help support the, the creative brew. So uh, quick shout out to them. Yeah, um, cool. But um, yeah, so going into... Um, you know, before we sign off, you know, like word, words of wisdom, um, you know, what are, what are some words of wisdom that you feel like could resonate with someone's heart, spirit, their mind? Um, what, are, what are those words of wisdom? Well, I think for, for me, it's like, um, it's trying to understand another person's perspective. So when something goes wrong in my life or somebody uh, does something I don't like, I try to think of a reason why they would have done that instead of taking it personally. So when, and my wife has been to another one who's made me think that way, you know, she's been great in my life and, and bringing me down to humanity, so to speak, you know? So what I try to do in life is I try to see everything from someone else's perspective. Why did they do what they did? If it offended me, so to speak, um, were they really doing that towards me? And I, and I look back to when I was a policeman, somebody also told me that too, is, um, you know, when you're out there in the field, don't get upset or offended if somebody says something to you more than likely they're saying it to your uniform and you know unless you're a real idiot but i found that you know it, it is the case you know right away when you see a lot of police there's a negative connotation towards them nowadays and it's if you saw that same person and they didn't have a uniform on and you didn't know they were a cop you wouldn't be that way towards them so he's he always would tell me don't don't take it personally. It's it's 99 times out of 100. They're yelling at your uniform, not you. And if you take it personally, these people, when you go home, they're going to shower with you. They're going to eat dinner with you. They're going to, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, be in your mind constantly if you're going to let them eat away at you. So I try to, instead of getting upset with people, is I try to look at it from their perspective as to why they're doing what they're doing. The other thing too is, um, I think it's, it's also important that we um, we try to give back as much as we can, you know. So I try to find different, uh, you know, ways that I can help people or lend my time, so to speak, uh, and and be more giving. And again, I gotta, you know, my wife has been the best best person in my life as far as making me a better person. She's made me realize all these things. And I think as guys, a lot of times you know, that old adage you hear now, there's toxic masculinity. I think a lot of us, is, you know, you're being a wrestler yourself and growing up in a, you know, a very competitive, very warrior type uh, activity, we tend to get hardened a lot of times. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my wife has softened me up. And I don't know if you, you seem like you're a pretty even kill laid back dude. And I think that, you know, someone's probably worked on you a little bit as well. I'm sure <laughs> well, there's, there's been a lot of people that's, that's worked on me. A lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, oddly enough, uh, my, I, I think my wife is tougher than me. Uh, she, she can be, she can be the tough one. I'm usually like the sort of laid back. Oh, okay. So, uh, I, oddly enough, I've always sort of been like that, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, well, that's now, good. I, I usually do a lot of, uh, you know, you know, I, I know I love doing, you know, yoga and, you know, meditation mm -hmm. and prayer sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think a lot of that stuff sort of just evens, you know, sort of 
creates a little even kill. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And it's actually helped me out really um, with my my wrestling and and just training is um, learning how to um, sort of keep that sort of even kill to where I don't get too you know mm-hmm. tight or too up. you know hyped up or anything like that. And I think it's helped me out tremendously. Um, so yeah, yeah, my wife, yeah, my wife. I think I probably rubbed a little bit more on her than. You know, oh, okay. Now, now she has toughened me up a little bit, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was sort of odd. It's just one of those where like people. It, it, it's weird because like people all the time. People think I look like Michael J. White, and I mean, literally, people will stop and like, "Hey, can I get your autograph?" Like, are you Michael really? J. White? And I'm like, "No." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. Me. yeah. Um, I could see it a little bit, not a lot, yeah, but I yeah, mean, no, I was like, yeah, but yeah, uh, that's weird. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's one of those where she's she's definitely um, yeah toughed me up a little bit, and you know, vice versa. I've sort of gotten her sort of laid you know laid back a little bit, but sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's I think it's always complimentary. You know, you always, especially in marriage. I mean, yeah, and you know, we always have our pros and cons, but you know, you sure at the end of the day, you know, we we make each other uh, a better person. And yeah, some, yeah, some small way. So, but uh, yeah, yeah those, those are some great words of wisdom. I mean, it's something that people, I think, people need to hear. Um, and I, I really think that that will connect with with somebody um, mm-hmm. that that's listening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, before we sign off, you know, um, actually, before we sign off, you know, what was is, is there any kind of um, just and you could probably explain it. Is, was there any kind of like little blooper reel? Um, that you had like when you were doing you know creating mortal combat or when you were doing the the uh the movements and stuff like that for the for the game was there kind of like little like just blooper like wow i can't believe we just did this or yeah you know um if if you go online you could find them some kid a lot of the kids will send them to me and when we did mythologies i was filming with a guy named uh, rich divisio he played a character called quan chi and uh in mortal combat mythologies he was also baraka and uh, a few others but in that game, we actually, you know, what's weird is Mortal Kombat, all the games, you know, every one of them, none of us were in the studio together. We were all digitized separately. And the only one where we actually were together was Mortal Kombat Mythologies, The Adventures of Sub-Zero, where we actually had acting scenes in, in this middle. Like if you got to a certain level, you know, you had Quan Tree, you had Raiden, you had Serena, and you had all of us coming together in these scenes and doing like little acting skits. So um, uh, when we did Mortal Kombat Mythologies, there were a lot of outtakes in there where, you know, like I remember the one character, Serena, Leah, she kept messing up her lines and she, we'd have to do them over again. And then Rich Divizio had these big spikes sticking up out of his costume and he'd run into the camera all the time or he'd say a line wrong. And it, it's pretty funny when you look at it, like a lot of them too. I didn't have too many bloopers, uh, but like, I remember one of them, I was trying to walk up this ladder and it's just like a three rung ladder. I'm supposed to be like looking into this big chasm and I'm stepping sideways and they don't want me to, they want me to do this like martial arts, like Bruce Lee walk up these steps and my foot hit once with the other foot and I tripped over this thing. And it, you, you know, watching it, you'd think I'd be falling in this bit, but I fall like a two steps onto the floor and it just, it just looks really corny, you know, it's just, just really kind of ridiculous things but it's it happens a lot in filming that's why the you know editors are great you know they cut all of it out i love watching the blooper reel it's pretty funny you know there's a lot of bloopers on it's vince vaughn i did a episode i did a scene with vince vaughn in uh in the breakup 
uh-huh. and it ended in the ended up in the deleted scene because I guess my 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 scene was uh, in the bar with them, and it was more of a comedic scene. But I guess in the movie they decided to go more of a serious route. So they they liked the scene, and so they put it in the extended extended reel or whatever. But Vince Vaughn is just he likes to do his scenes. He does one take with the lines, and then he says, "Okay, everybody, we're just going to do whatever now." And everybody improvises. So you come back in, and he he'll throw a different line at you that's not in the script and you got to come back with something, you know? So it's kind of fun. So I'm sure there's a ton of bloopers on, you know, that type of, you know, that type of acting, but Mortal Kombat was more of a script and, you know, you try to stay on it as much as you can. And we didn't have too many, but if you go on YouTube and you, and you Google it or whatever, you'll, you could find a ton of them on there. There's, and they're not anything really crazy, but for, if you're a real big fan of Mortal Kombat, you'll, you'll really like them because, you'll see the game and you'll know what's see. Oh, I remember that sequence. Oh, that happened, you know? So it's, it's kind of fun to watch. So some of the scenes were like, I remember Rich was on a, uh, one of them you have to fly through the air and look like you're doing this flying kick, but you can't, you can't, even though you could do it, you can't do it for the digitizing because it won't show up right because it's, it'll look real choppy and peace. So they have to literally film you in just sitting on this board with your leg out and then they move you digitize you and so rich was sitting on his board and he kept falling off backwards because they had you know you can't have much of the board in there because it's going to show up so they got to just they'll just try to wipe it out with the green screen so they give you this little piece of wood to sit on and you got to try and balance on it and stick your leg out in your arm and it's just really awkward so i could see how he kept falling off of it but it's just kind of funny to watch you know because i know what's happening just from from doing it but when you're you know, a, a gamer watching some of these bloopers, it's it's funny to see that, you know, here's this this move that they were doing all the time in the game and they couldn't even hardly do it in the in the actual studio, you know. But that was the thing about Mortal Kombat too. A little uh insight was, you know, you, you when you watch it, the kicks are really fast and blah blah blah, but you couldn't you couldn't do them fast because if, if I did them full speed, like I when I when I first went into the studio and I would kick full speed, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, you want me to throw a kick? It's I'm not going to just lob this kick. And they go, no, we want you to lob it. Because when you lob it, it's going to show up on camera very good and we can speed it up. So when you do a kick, it's really hard a lot of times to kick really high. And if you don't have the flexibility and the strength to get your leg up there and move it, like literally when you would throw the kick, it would be like this. It wouldn't be like rifling a kick out, you know? Yeah. So if you didn't have the ability to do the, do that with balance and strength and just, you know, flexibility, you couldn't do it. And I think that that's one of the things that helped me with getting more of the roles because I could really hold my leg up high and I could move in a slower motion. And you're able to do more moves that way than some of the other ones where you, you know, it's really hard to do a spinning kick really slow because you have to use momentum to spin around and do that. But I was able to spin around in a slower fashion and lift my leg up and whip it around because uh, that's what I practiced a lot when we do it. You know, your strength move is to, you know, to be able to not just throw your leg up, to be able to hold it up. Because if you can hold your leg up in that flexibility position, you can move it, you can create speed from that. So that's the one of the ways when training, as a lot of people don't realize, is to get the flexibility first. Because once you get the flexibility, you can work the speed, the speed will come through movement. But if you don't have the flexibility, you got to use momentum a lot of times to carry you through emotion. That's the way it is with martial arts. So that's why you see a lot of guys really working on their flexibility real hard. So 
that's just a little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, before we sign off, you know, how can people get in touch with you for any kind of uh, personal training um, or get in touch with you for, you know, potential, you know, gigs, signings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, probably through Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Instagram, I'm Subzero Unmasked uh, is my handle on there. Uh, Facebook, you can just find me under John Turk Actor, I think is what I have that under. It'll say John Turk, T-U-R-K Actor. And then um, uh, I also uh, have my website, which is, I have two of them. One is for personal training and one is to sell my, my workout programs. My personal training one in San Diego is personaltrainersandiego.com. And then my one for my workouts is the T H E fearless fitness.com. So the fearless fitness.com. So if you go on the products page, you can click on that. You can see all the workouts that you can buy. There's men, women, um, you know, different, you know, types of workouts for whatever type of body you want, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it, man. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, well, Hey, once again, Hey, thank you for, for coming on. Um, and sharing your story, sharing your creative journey, where you are now. And uh, so, like I said, it's always a, always a pleasure, you know, having, you know, um, you know, someone as illustrious as, as you uh, come <laughs> to the show. And, and uh, I know I've joked before, I, yeah, I know my, my brother, my little brother probably laugh at it. You know, I, I know I used, you know, Sub-Zero uh, a lot of times in Mortal Kombat. Now I, I had a little go-to move that I would hit everybody with. I hit the little yeah, yeah. blast and then the foot sweep. <laughs> and that was the only thing I could do. But, you know, that used to annoy my, my little brother so much. Uh, so I, I just wanted to plug that in, uh, mess yeah. with him a little bit. But uh, hey, once again, uh, there's th various ways of supporting the show. And this show will also, uh, it, first of all, it'll be available um, uh, pretty soon uh, on a future um, release. Uh, this will be available on our podcast. This will be available on our podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. And then the video portion will be up on my YouTube page um, for anyone to view. And then snippets will be available on instagram and, and uh facebook um also too my radio show on heliumradio.com this episode will be released on on there on a future episode as well um that's based out of the um st petersburg uh florida area um so that'll be that'll be on the radio show uh pretty soon um if you want to support this show uh you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative brew and for the price of a cup of coffee you can help support this show uh this episode as well as uh future episodes so um just want to give a shout out to that um too as well so but other than that hey thank you john um thank you for having uh you know coming to the show sharing your journey and sure. uh, other than that hey this has been another great episode of the creative brew be creative stay inspired I gotta make a change, yo.